This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Today we want to talk about B2B marketing, how to be a renegade marketer and create irresistible brands in the B2B space. How is that possible? I don't know. B2B is so different. I hear you guys adding me. B2B is different. It's not human to human. It is human. Business person to business person, period. Anyway, today we're going to talk to Drew Neiser. He is the author of Renegade uh, 12 Steps to Building Unbeatable B2B Brands. I, I, I read this before it came out even. Uh, got the Amazon review already up. I think it's been up for a couple weeks, something like that. But let's find out what's a renegade marketer. How do we create these irresistible brands? And particularly in B2B, believe it or not, it is possible. I think so. Drew, how's it going? It's uh, it's going great, Christoph. Thank you so much. Thank you for the review, by the way. The first video review of the book. You're You're rocking it. I'm a big fan of video reviews on on Amazon. I I would have never imagined how how in, involved I've gotten with Amazon. Big shout out to Jim Fuse and Chris Stone. And no no worries. And I I don't I only give honest reviews. So if I don't like a book, I'm not going to leave a positive review. Promise. So really appreciate you. Now I could, I think I saw you smirking in the background there when I was making fun of everybody giving me a hard time about B2B is not, you know, it's so different, blah, blah, blah. Have you heard that before or am I just making it up? No, it's true. And and I, I, I actually, so I'll tell you later on, but I, I started this thing called CMO huddles. I talk to B2B CMOs every single week now. And the conversations that they have are so different than the conversations that B2C marketers have. I couldn't bring those two groups together because when I first beta tested uh, CMO huddles, I thought you could. You can't. I mean, they have different challenges. They look at the marketplace differently. And more importantly, the CEO and the board of directors and the investors look at those companies differently. So different vocabulary, different approaches. And and honestly, that was one of the reasons it inspired me to write the book is there's so few interesting, fun to read books that really can frame out B2B marketing in a way that businesses can actually do it. Well, and there's no reason B2B marketing can't be fun, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we, we want to stand out and the way you stand out is make it a little bit more interesting, make it a little bit more fun. Dare I say, make it irresistible. So tell me about uh, how do we do that in B2B? Well, it, it starts obviously with strategy. And, and this is the problem that I think a lot of B2B marketers face is that they they sort of get involved in tactical issues right away. And you know, the CEO says, hey, I saw someone doing a video on Amazon. We should do videos on Amazon, right? Or TikTok or whatever it is. And it becomes this tactical thing. And so the first part of the book, the first three chapters are all about getting to a, a distinctive strategy 
And that starts with clearing away the clutter. If you talk to your average B2B marketer, you will find they have a to-do list with like 79 things on them. They'll talk about nine personas. They'll talk about 15 different channels. And, and they have different messages going across different channels to different people. And there's research that show that that's, that just doesn't work. So really starting with an attitude of, I'm going to be a courageous marketer. I am going to find a strategy that truly makes our brand distinct. I want to say differentiate. I want to say unique, but very few brands can get there. So let's just start with distinct. And you do that with by uh, defining yourself in a very, very simple way that humans can actually uh, identify with. I mean, it sounds easier. Uh, sounds so easy in theory, quite frankly, but why are so many companies struggling with it? I see it all the time. I mean, I've read more marketing plans for B2B companies than I ever want to admit. And everybody says, we want to sound authoritative. We want to blah, blah, blah. It's all the same stuff. And you know, I actually, um, I don't know if it's in the carousel today, but I should show this to you. Hold on. Um, this is still one of my favorite exercises. Who the deck are you? Um, and you basically, you know, go through these cards and you figure out why are you using a safe word? Why are you using, you know, you have to figure out how to be different. So I'd like to know from you, why is that a problem? But before you answer, I want to mention this quickly. I'm a big fan when I talk to authors to talk about formatting. So if, I, if, if, if you're an author, I don't bring up your book like this, typically I think the formatting might not be perfect, but take a look at his book. It is so easy to read, right? You got all these boxes and everything is broken up. And I bring that up, Drew, because some authors can't figure it out. Hmm. Nobody wants to read paragraph after paragraph, long sentences after long sentences. So always appreciate people when they put content together in a very easy to read format. So tell me, why are brands struggling with that? Why do we need a card game? Who the <laughs> deck are you to figure right. it out? So there's there's a, not, a lot of interesting reasons. We did a lot of research before we wrote the book. So this is where I started with the, with the exploration for this book. Four years ago, we identified the B2B marketing had gotten ridiculously complicated. And it bothered me. And I wondered if there was a way to radically simplify it. So we started doing research among B2B marketers. And good news is 90% agreed that B2B marketing had gotten more complicated in the last 12 to 24 months. And by the way, it didn't change from 2019 to 2020. What was interesting, though, is that when you say, is your company, your product or service different from your competitors? 60% will say yes. Then when you say, hey, is your marketing different? 40% will say yes. And you say, wait a second. The marketer's job is to create distinct marketing. So what I think has happened is that because there are so many available channels, because people fell in love with this notion of persona, because in many boardrooms, you can't use the word brand, everybody got lost in tactics and lost the very important notion of, we got to have a brand here that stands for something. It doesn't have to necessarily save the world, but it better stand for something. And we call that pouncing on your purpose, right? We've got to have some reason. It should be eight words or less that everybody in the organization knows. This is why we're here. This is what we do. And, and I love, um, so David Friend is this uh, 
entrepreneur who founded six companies, all of which have had major exits, most of them billion dollar exits. One of them was Carbonite. And when he starts a company, he only starts a company if he can do the billboard version of it, eight words or less. So when he started with uh, Carbonite, it was just easy backup, period. Boom, done, right? Uh, and when he was looking for a company to start the next one, he looked and had the courage to go after AWS and said, we're going to be 80% cheaper and six times faster. Boom. Now, where it got even more fun is David Friend is a big believer in having a unique real word brand for your, uh, for your name. And so they came up with the word Wasabi. Uh, they came up with that as a name for hot cloud storage. And that allowed them a big personality into the brand from the beginning, right? Hot cloud storage. They already have a pun in there. And so who doesn't want to work for a company named Wasabi? Who doesn't want to at least talk to these people? And when they have a promise that follows up that says 80% cheaper, six times faster, you go, okay, you got my attention. That makes it so much easier to recruit employees, to you know, to engage your customers, and ultimately get to your prospects. So this notion of having a simple brand idea, what we call a purpose-driven story statement, eight words or less, is key because then you can do a plan and you can say, all right, let's find six ways to bring that to life against employees, customers, and prospects. That's really simple. And it's amazing when you see that in action. So when you talk about bringing it to life, it's always interesting to me how that actually happens. So I know there's a bunch of different avenues we can go down here. You, know, you talk about staffing in your book, you talk about experimentation and you know all these different things. But as a content marketer, right? I always look at everything as a marathon. You know, like we have to just keep going. I mean, think about this show. You know, we're at 430 episodes and the first 100, no offense to any of the guests, they were not that good. I'm stumbling and fumbling with the technology. I'm trying to figure it out. Everybody's trying to figure it out, right? So, but most podcasts now do seven episodes and then they yep. give up. Yeah. And, you know, like you kind of have to keep going. So what's your philosophy on how long do you try? How long do you push? And then how do you staff? for that, um, for the long term, whatever that might mean. So thank you for bringing up uh, congratulations on that number of shows. I'm at 260 for my podcast, plus another 25 live streaming shows. So I'm, I'm a, a hundred behind you, but just in, to share your point there, I did 30 episodes of my podcast before I released five, cause I wasn't happy with 25 of them. So yeah, you have to get started and you have to stick with it cause you do get better and you keep learning. But Content I put into step, I think, let's see, it's step number nine, which is called sell through service. We've already gone through our strategy. We've already figured out and artfully defined our brand in terms of what we look like and what we stand for, what our brand voice is. And when I talk about execution, I talk about how you can execute the same idea and bring it to life, whether you're doing it for employees, customers, and prospects. Well, when I look at content, that's under this category of sell through service. You are creating content that is of legitimate, useful value to your customers. I think we live in this thing called the give to get economy, which means you got to give a lot to get anybody's uh, time or attention. And content is such an interesting one because that's everything, right? Content is everything. 
And a lot of folks say, and this book, by the way, is about content. It started as a one page thing that I tested as a speech. Then it became a blog post that was 15,000 words. Then it became a book as we continue to refine and get interviews and uh, make it make it stronger. So I think the key thing is, and the way I look at it is today, there's so much content out there. It isn't about thought leadership. It's about helping your customers really find their way in the world, whether it's buying your product, helping making it easier to buy, or whether it's just helping them in their lives and making it easier for them to do business. My favorite example of sell through service is Small Business Saturday. We're now in the 11th or 12th year of that thing. It generates billions of dollars for small businesses. It is a service that American Express started to support small businesses. It's content, it's marketing, it's everything, but most of all, it's selling through service. So that's a mindset that you get to. And once you do that, you're not worried as much about, gee, is this content promoting my brand? You sort of, the litmus test is, is this content consistent with my brand purpose? And is it of value to somebody in my target audience? Yeah, but I mean, selling through service, I'm not gonna disagree with you on that at all, but a lot of companies, I'm not sure they're buying it. I'm not sure they're, you know, I mean, they want yeah. it today. They want it today. And, you know, I hear Joe Polizzi, who was on the show a few times. I mean, he says six to nine months or whatever. Sometimes I think it goes quicker. Sometimes it takes longer. It all depends. But why, how do people, how do we get them to buy in if that's really part of becoming a renegade marketer to, uh, to do that? You mean, is it, how do we use content to sell products yeah. and services? So what's fascinating to me is there's so many opportunities now. And I talk a lot about it that towards the last part of the book about scientific method and how you need to get your, you know, get the right metrics in place. You need to have the right technology. Not too much, by the way, because I think many, many brands are way over invested in their in their tech stack. And then you've got to experiment your way to success. But in that, if you have a good tech stack, you know where the problems are with your sales cycle, right? You may have a lot of really high quality leads. You may get the first meeting, but it may take you a long time to close the sale. So a smart marketer, and this is taking a page out of Brent Adamson's Challenger Sale and Challenger Customer uh, books that are much revered in the B2B world. How do you make buying easier? The reason it takes so long is way too many people have to get involved, but the smart marketer doesn't wait for them to ask for the ROI model. They've already got it. The smart marketer knows what the CFO needs, what the CEO needs, what the buying committee needs, what the, what the security guy needs, and they're prepared with that content. And then the even smarter marketer then gets those 10 prospects and two customers together in a, in a wonderful virtual event that isn't even talking about the business per se, but lets the customer sort of talk about their dreams and aspirations. And then the, uh, the prospect goes, oh, that's interesting. They've built a community around their brand. I wanna know more about them. How do we get into this? So it's not, there is no one answer, you know that, but there are ways today of accelerating sales and selling through service is the way to do that. It's by recognizing that marketing can be helpful. It isn't about just getting another message in front of this that says, buy the product. I mean, it's just, that's never going to work today on a, particularly on a complex B2B sale that does take 12 months or 18 months. 
It does. And I'm also a big, big fan of just trying things and hopping in and uh, swiping my credit card, so to speak. And I know we had a whole show with Scott Brinker on when do you bundle and when do you not bundle technology? And I, I mean, I just like diving in, right? Like forget about the theory. Uh, let's see if this technology works or if it doesn't work um, or if it, if it f solves my problem, right? It, it could work for somebody else, but it doesn't work for what I'm trying to do necessarily. Now, um, in your book, you talk about experimentation. 10% of your time should be experimentation, which is interesting because I always think of content creation, content strategy, like, yes, there's a foundation. Here's how I do it. You know, here are the different tools I use. Like right now, you know, this is all part of it. But everything I do seems to start with experimentation. When I first started this live stream, which people now listen to on, I don't know how many channels, 30 channels or something, but I was just kind of like, yeah, well, I should try this. It's an experiment. And then it just kind of worked and I kept doing it and it actually makes things easier. How do we determine what's an experiment and what's just kind of baked in, do you know what I mean, into your day to day? So, all right, so let me step back. In the book, I talk about first that you've got to take, have some part of your budget, 10 to 20% of your budget needs to be for things that are not part of the primary plan that you've already proven work to either drive demand or build brand or ideally both, right? So now we're going to have 10 to 20%. And and it's it's sort of, it's the it's there. What you're really trying to do is create tests that are measurable, have impact, on the business, whatever metrics you can agree on with your CFO or your CEO, say, we're going to try this and it's going to work based on these indications. And if it works, then we're going to put 10x into it, right? We're going to, it's going to be a big bet. And so two, three, four years ago, that kind of bet were for brands was ABM. That was a, that was a test mm -hmm. and they could do it pretty cheaply because there were sort of uh, low cost or free options available. And what was interesting, and I talk about this in the book, when COVID struck, one of the CMOs that I write about, actually their 20% budget that was in experimentation became their 80% because the other 80% was in live events. <laughs> and so suddenly they didn't have it. So there's a good idea to have be prepared by having tests. But what you're looking for in my mind with these experiments as a B2B CMO or a B2B business person are little bets that can become big bets. So you have to have a sense that this is a scalable opportunity. Because again, I'm going to go all the way back to clear away the clutter. Your job ultimately is to contribute to the growth of the business. I mean, you can't, you, you know, presumably you went to work for a company that is growing and you want to accelerate the growth. Uh, so how are you going to do that is going to be knowing what's working sort of today and what might work tomorrow. And so the test to triumph idea is it could be a new product that you're sort of beta testing somewhere. And, and that's where CMO huddles fits in, by the way. You have an inkling that it could be big. You know what success is going to look like. And you put some dollars against it today so that a year from now, with the agreement of your leadership team, that if it does what you say it's going to do, you're going to go in on that. And that, so I think it's a little bit different than, say, channel testing, but it might not be. So... I know that live streaming, your example, live streaming was a test and, and it's and it's worked for you and that took time. So if you had done that, you would have to, and it was, you know, you would have to go to your CFO and say, we're going to measure this based on viewership 
or clicks or whatever it is. And if we get to this number, then we're going to just keep going. But if we don't, we're going to stop. And so, you know, one of the things that in the book, we talk about metrics that matter. You got to have some sense of what it is that you want to accomplish so that you can say if we make a bet and it hits that uh, the goals, then we're going to invest more. So that's the philosophy of test triumph that uh, I end the book with. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing that I like to look at as well is um, how do I fit it all together? Right? So for example, doing a live stream to podcasts, it's actually much easier than just doing a podcast, right? Now, yep. one thing you talk about in your book is uh, employee engagement. So I'm very interested in that. And one of the things uh, that I always find when when uh, employees use the product or employees really truly believe in the mission, right? That's I mean that's a very strong uh, selling point or a very strong branding point, right? I'll give you an example. At my day job, VoxPopMe.com, you know, I use the product all the time. You know, could I train you on it? Maybe not, but can I walk you through it? Probably because I use it for my own projects, right? And I find it very very helpful. So how does employee engagement fit in? Oh, it's it's so important. And, and so the research that we did uh, in 2019 and 2020 was fascinating. We said, so how important is it to you that your employees are in, involved in, in prior to uh, a launch of a new product, service, or brand? And they all say it's like 80% say it's really important. Okay. Then when we asked, how much time do you allow for employee uh, engagement prior to the launch? Uh, it was it the most were were four weeks or less. So what that tells me is most CMOs agree that be, uh, employee engagement is important, yet they won't take the time to do it right. And so when they're relaunching a new brand, it is simply putting a new uh, coat of paint on an old barn. Nothing has changed. I'll give you a quick example. When Aetna launched a new campaign, you don't join us, we join you. They spent six months retraining their customer service agents so that when someone called and said, hey, I need knee surgery, the agent knew to say, Oh, you know, most people who need knee surgery also want PT. Do you want us to set that up for you? That kind of retraining made the new promise real. And so my point in the book is that marketing is not fluff. Marketing is real actions that you can do. And one of the actions that you can do is get your employees involved in your new brand. Presumably you're changing a new brand because you have a new story, a new product, something that is elevated your proposition. Get the employees involved. And there are lots of good ways I talk about in the book of doing this, because if they believe they will carry the torch for you, their uh, amplification will be huge. And another big mistake that I talked strategically earlier chapter is this notion of welcoming we. You need to involve employees in, this, in the creative development process. It may be painful, but you want to do it. it, especially if we're talking about a rebrand because they are the brand. And if they don't believe what you're promising to the marketplace, it is going to fail. Well, I think that's very positive of you um, to say that there should be a reason if you do a rebrand. I'm pretty sure there are some companies, they just do a rebrand or a website redesign because it's time and they're looking for something to do. So 100% with you, if you're gonna do a rebrand, if you're gonna do a website update, whatever, have a reason other than we're looking for something to do, but I know that happens as well. Uh, 
cmohuddles.com came up a couple of times here. Give us a quick overview of what that is. Yeah, so I again, we do drink our own champagne here at Renegade. And this notion of selling through service, uh, COVID struck March, what, 7th or 14th, 2020. I had no idea what our business was going to be. I've been through uh, the, the 2008 financial crisis, and I sort of, crisis means opportunity to me. I've become mm -hmm. that person. So I looked around and I said, I don't know how our business is going to work out really, but we can make a lot of friends. And so started this thing called CMO Huddles. Initially, it was just a beta test where we gathered CMOs to talk about, B2B CMOs to talk about the challenges they were facing. And that we met 55 times between April 1st and October 1st. By, the, by late July, it was clear there was a business here and we launched the business October 1st. We now have uh, 90 subscribers and are adding five to 10 a month. And it's all because one, sort of was willing to uh, experiment, but two, this notion of what could I do to help the people that I knew, because I had no idea what was going to happen, and, and with the hope that maybe karma is a boomerang, and then a business came out of it. That is a great story. And of course, people can connect with you at renegade.com. Who are um, who are the typical uh, clients or, or uh, you know ideal customer profiles, I guess, that should reach out to you? So it's almost all these mid-sized B2B companies. They're 50 million, want to get to 100 million. They're 100 million, want to get to a billion. Um, they're thinking about their brand. Uh, they're looking for market research that will help uh, them identify uh, a new way of talking about uh, their business to their customers or, or uh, prospects and, of course, employees. So, uh, yeah, that's, the, that's, that's Renegade. Fantastic. Great overview. I hope everyone checks out uh, Drew's book. It's available. It just came out this week, right? On yeah. Amazon.com. Yes, indeed. Uh, very exciting. And we're number one uh, new release on in a couple of categories, which is very exciting. That, congratulations to that. That's always great to see. And tell me, what prompted you to write the book? So it's funny. I wanted to solve this problem. I wanted to know, first, we identified this problem of that you know B2B marketing had gotten ridiculously complicated. I sort of wanted to know if we could solve that problem. So we created these 12 steps that we've been thinking about a long time. We torture tested them with our own clients. And in the meantime, over this uh, four-year period, I interviewed another 200 CMOs, B2B CMOs, to fill in some of the areas. And by the time you know, when COVID came around, I was I had to put it on pause, which is why we launched the blog post because I wasn't sure. I wanted to be sure that it would even work during COVID. Put it on pause. All that did was give us 50 more cases that we could put into the book to reinforce that this process actually worked and that companies could do it on their own. And that's the thing that we run do is, hey, go ahead and try this on your own. And then when you when you find you're you're stuck, give us a call. We'll do consulting for you on that. Fantastic. Great to see the book out there. Um, check it out if you want to be a renegade marketer. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Christoph, thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories